All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire basketball podcast. Yeah, we're back. It's been a bit, but we're going to talk about the uh, basketball for South season, obviously, and other things as well. Check us out, as always, mwwire.com. Conference play starts, depending on when you're listening to this. Maybe it already started. Maybe it's not, because it's uh, January 2nd, um, about uh, 10 to 10 11 a.m. Mountain and Pacific time. And, obviously, Jeremy Moss, Eli Becker, we're here. We're ready. Are you excited for more basketball to Maybe figure out who's good or who's not good, or who's worse and worser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it's been a little bit of that, huh? I'm I'm excited to to flip uh, into 2019 and see what's going to happen in conference way because, I mean, even if everyone's terrible, it's still going to be exciting because it's Mountain West basketball. So I'm looking forward to it. Is it better than Pac-12 basketball? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> better be. <laughs> <laughs> that, At least that... from the excitement level. <laughs> oh, it's gonna that's gonna be crazy. So here's what we're doing. We've been away for a little while, so we're gonna kind of do like a midseason recap a bit. Look forward, talk about some news this newsy type stuff. Like, hey, Steve Alford's fired. Interesting. UCLA mm-hmm. former Lobos coach who was ran out of town because he loses to Lipscomb. Uh, <laughs> obviously, talking about Musselman, maybe. Which spoiler, he's probably not going there. Just so you know, but. We will discuss that. We'll go over Eli's nine bowl predictions, which one was already gotten game three, such as yeah. we'll start there. The Mexico is Mountain West final undefeated team. It's it's not the best thing I've ever written. Hey, <laughs> these are bold predictions. I make bold predictions. Hey, if it's a safe prediction, who cares? It's not noteworthy. I really felt that that one could have been right though. That's it's it's too bad. Because, but it's fine. Because <laughs> they ended up at losing game three versus New Mexico State twice actually. <laughs> then they lose to like yeah. it depends how good you th- how good you thought they were because St. Mary's is a little bit better Colorado they could have won like they could have gone up until North Texas but whatever that that's one of them so what's your like the first half of the season what's your let's do this what's your biggest surprise I think the biggest surprise um I guess I can have one that's like a positive thing and one that's a negative thing I would say that the positive I think the biggest surprise has been Utah State. I've been impressed with what they've done, and I was not as low on the Aggies as many other media members were. And and you were actually pretty high on them too. I believe you had them. I think six. I'll check. I think I had them like one or two spots higher than you. I got to double check. But yeah, I wasn't maybe top half, but like the yeah, I'll look and see what instead of rambling. And I'm I'm pretty sure that they were ninth in the media poll, uh, only ahead of Air Force and San Jose State. And as of right now, they look to be at least the third best, if not the second best team in the Mountain West. And they open up conference play at Nevada, and I don't expect them to win that game. But if they're able to keep things close, I think Utah State has done more than enough to prove that they're a legitimate contender. And, I again, I don't think that they're going to unseat Nevada. I just think the Wolfpack is just so much stronger than everyone else. But what Craig Smith has done his first two months and Logan has been very, very impressive. They haven't. See, I... Losing especially. Imagine if they had Kobe on their team, man. Whew. Yep. Oh, yeah. That would be over. He's over hanging on Marquette right now. They're probably my, I guess, be a positive surprise. I'll get them into Fresno. First year head coaches doing their thing. Mm-hmm. Where they, nobody thought, like, even Fresno, they lost to Sean Taylor for a bit. I think he's finally back. He is back from the, was separated uh, elbow, dislocated yeah. elbow, I believe. Yep. So he'll be back for league play. He's kind of easing his way back in. Them and Fresno State, or excuse me, Utah State, are the two biggest surprises. I'd say with you more than Utah State because. The media picked them ninth. I'm pulling up my projection here. I think this is what you and me did way back in late September. We had you put um, obviously your all caps breaking. Oh, that's media. Sorry, that's not our prediction. Sorry. Um, 
Oh, that's a different one. Never mind. I, I can't find. It. I think I had them once, but higher than you. But we neither of us I had them. I think it was sixth and seventh. I'm, I'm, I'm fairly sure we had them sixth and seventh. I'll just say this, we were all all wrong in Wyoming. First of all, we'll say that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Utah State doing what they're doing, losing their best player, new head coach, and it's a it'll be interesting. I don't. Here's the thing about the Nevada Utah State game. My one of my bigger disappointments. I'll start there. Is Nevada's starting crappy in the first half because it hasn't mm-hmm. caught up to them. And you could say, oh, it's a positive because they're able to overcome. Which is good. It's, I think it's better than blowing people out by 20 at the half and winning by 25 every game. They do have to show resilience like last year versus Cincinnati versus Texas. That New Mexico nutty game at the pit last Was that last year or the year before? Yeah, I think the year before that, yeah. Whatever. Still, they, some of those players, a couple mm-hmm. are still on that team, or at least Musselman coaching. They've had to overcome that, but that's kind of a disappointment. They're winning, but not. it's like how much can you win by to really care? But it's. I think at some point it might get them if they have a bad night somewhere. And I don't think it'll, I don't know if it'll be Utah State because it's at home, right? That opener. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. So, and we'll get to there how they're going to play, but that's kind of a disappointment for me because they shouldn't be. I don't know what the deal is, but it's just not a good. Like that's just one of my few disappointments for them for the league overall. Just they're kind of, oh, we're down ten to Grand Canyon, we're down fifteen to USC at the half. Come on. Yeah, I think I, I agree with you on that, and I think that that can be viewed as both a negative thing and a positive thing because. I've said many times throughout these first few weeks that although Nevada is 13-0 and has double-digit wins over uh, multiple Pac-12 squads, even though they're not the best teams, but they have a lot of wins. Arizona State beat number one Kansas, but then lost to Penn. Yeah, I mean, it hasn't been like the highest of high in terms of quality wins, but they are beating decent teams on the road and away from home um, by convincing margins even without playing their best basketball. And I think that's the thing that impresses me most in a way about Nevada is that I still don't think that they've put 40 minutes of quality basketball together yet. It's more like 10 minutes of of pretty poor basketball. They're usually training by double digits, as you say, and then they go on a run and then they can coast the last five minutes, five to 10 minutes of a basketball game and, and win by 10 or 15 points. And that's kind of been what's happened in most of their games to this point. Uh, and that's another reason why I don't think that they're going to go undefeated in conference play. I do think they slip up at least once or twice because they do have this tendency of digging their own holes, and all it will take is probably an off-shooting night and the other team getting hot, and that um, will result in a loss. But even so, Nevada is just so much better than any other team in the conference this year. It's not even close. And as good as Utah State and Fresno State have looked, and Nevada is clearly the class of this conference and should win the league uh, regular season title with ease so what's that game where they what team has the player to say okay we're up 10 we're up 12 because that's that's probably gonna happen occasionally that can hold them off is it here's the thing they play utah state at home this upcoming week they go to fresno state maybe it's deshaun taylor who's that guy on a team where and it could be any team like even not to say i, I like justin james a lot he does good things but i don't think Guam could be that team he's a scorer but not the team what team like has that player at both that can do that, you think? I think Utah State matches up pretty well against Nevada. I'm, I'm looking at maybe that final matchup that they play this year. That's on Saturday, March 2nd in Logan. Nevada has two games after that. But that follows a stretch where they have to go. Uh, they start home against New Mexico. Then they have to go on the road to play Wyoming and San Diego State. Then they're home against Fresno State and UNLV. And then they have to go on the road to play Utah State. So that's a pretty tough stretch of five games. And mm-hmm. I don't know if fatigue will be a bit of a factor then, but 
the way Utah State plays, they're they're not going to do anything super flashy, but they have physical guys. They rebound the basketball pretty well. They have a good go-to score in Sam Merrill. Um, so it's it's not like I would take them in a seven-game series, but Utah State does have it in them to potentially beat Nevada at home if uh, the cards were able to fall in their favor. At the spectrum, maybe I should go up to that game possibly because that game probably very good chance could decide the number one seed. Yeah, I mean it should be a good game, and I think Utah State isn't just a flash in the pan right now. I think they do have what it takes to be a top three team in the conference this year. I don't think they just got lucky in, in league play as some teams do. No. So you think they're that good just because who they've been playing, it's they're legit? Yeah, I think uh, – I think. do you mean Nevada or Utah State? Utah State. Yeah, I think Utah State's pretty legit. And they, they looked good in the first half at Houston. And mm-hmm. Houston, if I'm not mistaken, has the longest – home non-conference win streak or something like that. They're still undefeated, uh, aren't they? Th- yeah, they're still undefeated as well. They're 13-0. and 0. And Utah State handled that game for the first half, and, and then, then they went cold. Yeah, they had, the that big, they had that big lead. And then yeah. you, Arizona State, they had a chance in that one. Free throws mm-hmm. was a mess. And then BYU, I think that was the first game Nick Emery came back, and they're all pumped. And him and Yoli Childs are really good. Like, mm-hmm. Yoli Childs could be the best player at West, maybe All-American potentially, and they lose by 15. Uh, but that was part. I think part of it. Nick Emery gave one back after his uh, <laughs> going to Harry Potter World for suspended for nine <laughs> yeah. game. And, yeah, BYU <laughs> shot the lights out that night. And then they have the blowout win against St. Mary's. That was a huge win for it them. Was, yeah. And they've pretty much manhandled every other game. Weber State's so. pretty good. They're, they beat them by ten or not mm-hmm. eleven. I mean, a neutral site nine or whatever. And, and U C Irvine, who was undefeated at the time, uh, they got blasted by twenty four. And U C Irvine was the home team in that one. So Utah State has proven that they're a pretty good team. Um, but still, it's it's Nevada's conference to lose. I think everyone can agree with that. All right, let's go to the next. Um, do you have the score? Can you pull up while I'm doing this? Can you pull up the scoring averages for Wyoming basketball real quick? Yeah, of course. Player stats only? Because let's go back to our your bold projection list. Okay, I got it, yep. Justin James averages 25 points a game. All right, so it was around, I think, 24 and a half a few games ago. He's at 22.4 right now. So Maybe? It, I mean, it's still it's still possible. I think the scoring average tends to decline a bit once the players reach conference play. I could be wrong on that, but it just seems to make a bit more sense. It could be you play teams twice typically, so round two may not be as easy as round one. Yeah, I and, mean, I still think he pours in like a, at least a thirty-five point game or something like that. We get a fifty-point game. Yeah, uh, <laughs> oh, sorry, forty-point game. Let me go forty. What do you think? Forty, maybe. Forty. It it could happen. Do you think it would happen? I think you said it would in the preseason. It's going to happen versus like Air Force or something. Okay. <laughs> no, well, Air Force, no, no, Air Force won't allow for the possession for that to happen. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe New Mexico or UNLV. Yeah, yeah I could see it happen. More likely New Mexico because they, they, when they want to score, they can they can put up points when they act, when they play pretty good. Um, another one, real quick, is uh, what do you have? Three hundred fifty-three pointers for. Oh, those are three different players. That one's we'll get that one later. That's gonna take someone to look up. I should have done some better research. But basically, I can, it's, I can uh, wait. Who are the players again? Uh, Jessa, Merrill, and Mathis. Ma- Mathis will combine for three hundred fifty-three pointers to make obviously three hundred fifty-three pointers. Okay, I can probably pick this up pretty. Because you have Merrill, who has um, I've right here. He's made twenty-nine. Okay. 
Uh, oh, this is well. This is gonna be hard to track because we're only like halfway through the season. Yeah, All right, we'll come back to that one later. Yeah, we'll come. We'll come back to that to another podcast. We'll actually do different things. Um, let's get to another one here because these are fun. So far, you're do, you're okay. So far, not too bad. Just the uh, New Mexico one's a pretty big swing and miss. But that's okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so next, let's go to another one. I think this one. I think this one maybe already exceeded expectations. Uh, Nico Carvacho, uh, fifteen double doubles. Does he already okay. have that? <laughs> I think he is. Well, I'm pretty sure he's currently averaging. Yeah, he's averaging thirteen point nine and twelve point four. Done deal. So that's that's looking pretty good. Could he seriously be like like I know the Rams aren't that good this year like a lot of teams since we don't know who team three through ten is essentially or three through nine. He's probably one of the most underrated players at the moment. I think the league, because he mm-hmm. get he gets still a game, gets about a block a game, makes a double double. The Rams should be better with their scoring capability. Jeremiah Page and Anthony Bond are doing pretty good, but they're just not getting the wins. What's up with them? Do you think are they a team that could upset somebody? Yeah, I, I'm I'm somewhat surprised. Even though I was higher on Colorado State than almost everyone in the preseason, I'm surprised that they've been struggling like this. And and they've come up short in some close games. A three-point loss to Long Beach State, a five-point loss to South Dakota, six-point loss to Colorado. So they've been close, but I think that this is still a pretty young team that is trying to figure things out under a first-year head coach in Nico Medved, um, and it's not going to happen overnight. They were they were terrible last year, and so they have a lot that they need to build upon. But at least offensively, they've looked a lot better than what they have under Eustachian. Just looking at their effective field goal percentage last year is 314th and that's all the way up to 124th right now so they've done much better offensively and I think that'll translate to some wins in in league play so they probably have enough to maybe hover around 500 if things um turn around a bit but um like I said it's been a bit of a disappointment when their best win to this point is um on the road against Florida Gulf Coast oh boy oof (laughs) <laughs> and and going back to the Carvacho thing, he has uh, eight double doubles to date so far out of thirteen games. And you and he had thirteen double doubles over twenty appearances last uh, career wise. And he said fifteen. I think he does it. I think he might I think get, so too. Maybe yeah, twenty. And, maybe and 20. he has uh he had sixteen and nine against Florida Gulf Coast and he had ten and nine against New Mexico State. So he could very well have been at ten at this point. So I think it does happen. Here's one that will happen. San Jose you say San Jose State wins a conference game, that's gonna happen. Yeah. Because because they, for a week stretch, were very close to beating a couple of bad Pac-12 teams. And yeah. who was it? Cal and who was the other one? And Stanford. And Stanford. They hung with them pretty close. Then they get blown out by St. Mary's, I think. Was that the last non-conference game for them? Yep, they lost right. like by what, 20 or something? They've been close. I've, I've been pretty impressed with what San Jose State has accomplished. And they're still, if not the 11th best or 11th team in the Mountain West and then their 10th. Um, but they've been really close away from home in a number of matchups and they've led late in um, a handful of these games too like they were they were close against southern utah and weber state and and csu bakersfield they lost on a game winner central Mm -hmm. michigan they lost on a game winner all of these games are on the road and then stanford and cal who although they aren't very good pac-12 teams still power conference teams uh, playing in their home arenas and san jose state lost those two games by a combined 13 points so they've been close and competitive all right, so Ken Palm has zero conference wins for them, projected wise. Are you? I, do you have their schedule in front of you? I do. Mm-hmm. Oh, on Ken Palm, do you have it? Yeah. Oh crap! I was gonna ask you a I question. Mean, you what? can you can ask me. You can I I, I can flip away from it though. Well, it's not like I have it memorized. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Do that. Who? What's their most likely win in conference play? Um, you have two answers because two teams are tied at the same percentage. 
Well, I think if I had to choose a game that they would win, I would say home against Wyoming. Okay. That's not the high, that... that's not the highest one. That's number three. Home against Air Force then? Air Force and CSU are both forty six percent. Okay. I could see them winning any of those games. Yeah, I don't think they'd be. I, I don't. I just think we'd want like maybe about too high in Justin James, but uh, whew, they're we'll see. They'll get a couple of wins. I, I I'll, I'll say this. I'll say, I'll say they win three conference games. Yeah, I like that. I think uh, at least two or three. I you know against a Wyoming, they could have some trouble if Justin James starts to pour mm-hmm. it, pour it in. But I think against Air Force, when they don't really have that sort of go to guy or Colorado State, which has struggled. Um, I just think they do pick up a couple wins and. And maybe not even at home necessarily because they've played a number of road games and mm-hmm. non-conference play and then have looked pretty competitive. So yeah, um, they in all their they've had five road or neutral games. Every single one has been single digits. Ex- every single loss except for the St. Mary's, which actually was a thirty-point loss. Sorry, yeah, I gave too much credit in twenty because yeah, you, like Weber State was uh, eight, uh, Cal State one point, two point Central Michigan. So they've been close for those games away from home. So mm-hmm. there's something to it. All right, let's go to our next prediction here. Let's see. Um, do we? Do you, well, we'll look at this one later. But Treshawn Thurman starts more games than Jordan Brown. Yeah, I, that, I think that's already like I think so mathematically too. guaranteed to happen. I believe so. Jordan Brown's been okay. I just I remember I don't has he even started the game? Maybe like two, I think, a couple. Uh, Jordan Brown has yet to start a game. Oh, I thought he started one or two. Okay, my mistake. Yep. All right, here we go. Here's a good one. Get ready, Rebel fans. You're gonna hate us. Um, UNLV only finishes ahead of San Jose State and Air Force. Obviously, too soon to tell, but that puts them at ninth, essentially. Yeah, I think. I mean, UNLV has not impressed me that much so far, but I don't think that this is one's going to happen anymore. I think they're going to probably be about top half again, that four through ten yeah. or whatever. Um, where they've been playing, like they've been okay, like. It's like everybody else. You can say, "Oh, I've seen a good thing for Team A, B, C, A through whatever," but they see a lot of bad things. Like they beat a pretty good BYU team at T-Mobile, uh, but then they lose to like Bucknell by twenty. It's like in Bucknell's, well, not very good. Like one fifty, Ken Palm. They, the LMU loss isn't that bad because they're actually pretty good. But like Cincinnati, close. Illinois, close loss. The only really bad loss I would say is like the Bucknell one. Maybe Indiana State, which is they're about the same ranking essentially overall. But they haven't made, like, you know what I mean? No, nothing terrible on their schedule for them, at least relative to where they are perceived to be. Here's the, the long-term issue with UNLV, though, is that Shakir Jusin just had season-ending knee surgery. That's right. And so he'll miss the remainder of the year. And then you have to really start to figure out who's going to step up in his place, especially in the front court, because I'm not entirely sold on the pieces they had coming into the year outside of Shakir Jusin. And when they shoot the basketball as poorly as they do, they're 258th in effective field goal percentage and 312th in turnover percentage. When you play such a high tempo basketball and you can't score points, then that it gets it gets really hairy in a, in a, That's a problem. In second. Yeah, it's it's a major problem because they've had issues jump shooting for for seasons now, and uh, if they can't get nightly points out of their key contributors, then that's going to be quite a big issue. And and just losing to Kier Houston is really unfortunate. Because I think he's just such a, a presence and game changer, and I would have liked to have seen what he would have done with this year's team. But UNLV has to move on from that. But I I do think that they finish better than ninth, uh, especially with what's happened to teams like Boise State and Wyoming. They've certainly fallen off quite a bit. I think UNLV is more competitive than those two. 
True. I, I man, the Las Vegas Sun is amazing for their <laughs> what like they're about rebel basketball. Mm-hmm. So title's fine. Mount West Slate offers first real test of Menzies' long-term plan for Rebels, which to me code for you better win a conference because your non-conference play has never been very good. So your only chance is to win league games, right? <laughs> yeah. First sentence or first two. Marvin Menzies was hired by UNLV to build the running Rebels into a Mountain West powerhouse. That's the first sentence. <laughs> uh, <laughs> was he, or was he just the best guy that was not that that didn't turn him down or jump ship like? Uh, Chris Bird and now lately over the weekend Manny Diaz going to Temple for a couple days now to Miami for football. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was the same sort of situation. Uh, you know, I have had people ask me the last couple weeks with some of these UNLV losses how warm the seat is getting for Marvin Menzies, and it's it's kind of hard to tell with UNLV where they're at as a program right now because I know that they still want to be elite and one of the strongest programs out west, but I mean, the last decade plus has been pretty rough for this program, and not what they're um, used the product that they're used to putting out on the floor. And I'm, I picked up that stat, and I'm pretty sure I sent it to you uh, this past week about Tim Durier and Marvin Menzies and how they've compared. Oh, yeah. Similar record, I believe, with the same win loss record, just about. Yeah, I I have it right in front of me that Tim Durier was 48 and 49 in three years at Utah State, and of course he was fired this past March, which. Uh, paved way for Craig Smith from South Dakota. Uh, I the the projections have probably changed since I tweeted this out, but Ken Palm had UNLV finishing the season 15 and 15, which would translate to a 46 and 49 record, uh, which is worse than what Tim Durier did at Utah State over three years. So uh, you have to kind of compare those two things, and I know it is different in terms of expectations and just everything else that goes on with the program, but. Um, UNLV has slipped into mediocrity, at least as far as the program goes over these last few years. And um, if it continues, you have to wonder how long Marvin Menzies is going to last in Las Vegas. I think that's just the point that's being made here. Well, here's the thing, too. The league, it's not like it's been great the past four or five years. They've had one right. bid outside of last year, was lucky to get two. If you can't win now, when are you ever going to win? Whenever, when, assuming the cycle is not going to trend down forever with one, maybe two teams if somebody upsets in the tournament conference mm-hmm. tournament so if you can't they brought in um the was oh shoot, what's his name brandon mccoy five-star guy they could clearly bring in players is it i know he only stayed one year so that's hard to build when you bring in rotating occasionally one and done guys like even going back to um oh shoot for number one pick where bill simmons went nuts um, um anthony bennett yeah anthony bennett, <laughs> bennett to the Cavs a while ago but <laughs> if you have so they could bring in talent is it a coaching thing? Is it the surrounding talent? Because the league's down. If you bring in a guy like that last year who's on like the U.S. team for what FIBA U19, I believe it was, during last year, played pretty well. What does it say about is the coaching issue? You can't progress that top-end talent. It's something – there's a lot of things where this is the perfect time. If you're a team that can bring in really good talent but you still can't get it done with a league that's down, what, is it ever going to happen again? Yeah, I mean it's something you have to ask because – eventually programs get labeled as something else that they weren't previously. And what I mean by that is if, I mean, maybe UNLV is riding a bit of the momentum that they still had during their so-called glory days and, and the attraction of Las Vegas helps with recruits That's and all almost, that. 1990 is 30 years ago. Yeah. I mean, but it's just, just saying it's yeah. And it's, I mean, but I think it's part of the program and that it's what they aspire to still be in the future. But 
you can recruit well enough that it can get your coach fired because if you continue to bring in top 50 classes and you can't win 20 games, then that, that falls on the coaching because, mm-hmm. I mean, the talent is certainly there. And I think the talent has been there for UNLV, but their biggest issue, at least in recent years, has been having that talent remain on campus. They've had so many players transfer out of the program, declare for the draft without winning any tournament games, and it's just a continuous cycle of rebuilding and reforming rosters. I think that's what's made it so, such a challenge for UNLV to get to that 20-win benchmark and compete for NCAA tournament berths. And, I mean, if it continues and Marvin Menzies isn't able to turn this around, I think his days in UNLV or his days in Vegas will be numbered as well. Is he going to make it past this year? I think he does because I'm, I'm pretty confident that UNLV finishes above 500 and in the top half of conference play. Okay. But if neither of those things are true, I it, it might be um, worth looking at someone else for the head coaching position. So I, I do think Marvin Menzies lasts at least one more year, but if things go south in conference play, it could get interesting. All right, want some good Rebel news? Yes. Hey, Reb logo is on its way out. Did you see that? <laughs> no, I didn't see the, that. Uh, How logo, long was it even here? I mean, they didn't even use it really. Maybe a year, I want to say. And they paid, you know, they paid some local graphic design, like fifty grand, probably to come up with that design. Oh gosh! And so that's on its way out. But heck, if you're in the Vegas area, apparently Dick Sporting Goods has all the hoodies, like basically half off. So you get a nice, hopefully warm hoodie that you'll definitely wear in Vegas year round for twenty five dollars. <laughs> do you think that's going to be like one of those? I, I'm going to have trouble coming up with the word for that. But do you think it's just going to be one of those things that? other programs continue to taunt UNLV with that for over the years for such a terrible logo that they designed. It's why not go for it. Yeah. I, I have seen a number of Nevada fans do that the last few months. Just might as well. All right. So let's see what else we got here in your list. Let's uh, we'll get to other stuff in a moment here. Uh, Mountain West title will be decided the last day of the regular season. No, no, we can move on. Um, <laughs> closest maybe as, um, I did mention, depends how Utah State, the Utah State Nevada might have something in line, like I alluded to, maybe it's for a number one seed. Mm-hmm. Probably not, but that's not the last day either, so. Yeah, and my intention of that was to have Nevada and San Diego State competing <laughs> on the last day, and that is certainly not going to happen at this Aztecs. point. And the final one, we'll talk other stuff, Nevada Final Four participant, TBD. Yeah, I, I, think, it, I think it still looks pretty good, though. Just defense, get better defense, that's all I gotta say, come on. Yeah, and don't fall into these double-digit pits early on. I think it would make things a lot easier. But, I mean, Nevada's tough. They're, they're still looking like a Final Four team. They are. They cause, Like I said, if you're behind by that many points and able to come back, that's a good test for when you're playing. Because, realistically, their first – or not first, their next real challenge will be, what, round – if they assuming they make it this week, 16 round? Like, if they're – like, they probably could be – if they're if they go – not that they'll go undefeated, but probably they'll be a two or three seed regardless, unless there's like five games. They're probably going to be a two or three seed. If they're a two seed, the pro- their tough game will be till round three. For a three seed, maybe that second day, that mm-hmm. Saturday, Sunday, round two, but there could be another two, three months before they play a team that's even close to their ability. They'll be favored in each of the remaining 18 uh, league games. Every game that they play in the Mountain West tournament, and at least the first two rounds of the of the NCAA tournament, I would assume. Okay. All right. So, so, um, should, yeah. we talk, should we talk about Muscleman real quick in UCLA? Sure. <laughs> so Steve Alford out, which is not surprising because apparently everybody hated them on this team. Former Lobo coach, by the way. Um, he's gone midseason. 
good news and bad news for Nevada fans. Bad news, Musselman's never going to be hotter this at the end of the year because he's going to have an amazing year, can have probably any job he wants. He makes about a million bucks a year, which is pretty good in the Mountain West. UCLA, however, probably not going to hire him because it looks like they want Fred Hoiberg, who just got fired from the Bulls, what, a few months ago, a few weeks ago? Mm-hmm. So he looks like he'd be the top choice. There's other guys. Like I did a piece about what guys Jeff Goodman and other people are saying about where they're, who they're going after. Almost everybody says Musselman could be a consideration, but he's nowhere close to being like even their top three choices. Interesting. I, and I think UCLA could go in a number of directions with that. I don't think that they go with Musselman. I just don't know if that if his personality and his style of coaching fits the the tradition of UCLA, uh, so to speak. Uh, I do think it would be a really good hire for the Bruins, but um, if Musselman is offered the job, I would gently assume that he does take it. Yeah, because he, he'll he'll here's the thing. he's get, he's gonna be called. He'll be contacted at some point. There's yeah. not gonna be unless they get like, even if they want Fred Hoiberg, they're not gonna make a decision in February. They're probably not gonna make a decision till I don't if it's like the well, final four maybe. Well, maybe even before that because UCLA's not going anywhere. They're mm-hmm. not going to the, the. I bet they can make a hire the day after they're eliminated from the Pac-12 tournament if it's Fred Hoiberg. If yeah, it, that would make it be simple to do. If it's um, anybody else, like a current coach, like Musselman and who are the other guys they've mentioned? Shoot, they're not going to get Mark Few. They're talking about isn't Jamie Dixon TCU pause somehow in the mix for some reason? Yeah, Jamie Dixon and Mike Bray from Mike, Notre Dame. Mike well. Bray. They're going to call Tony Bennett. He'll say no at Virginia, even though that would probably be the best move for them. Yeah, but. Yeah, Mike, what do we say? Mike Bray, Notre Dame, Chris Beard, possibly <laughs> our good buddy Chris Beard, uh, <laughs> yes. Kelvin. Maybe, hey, maybe Kev, Kelvin Sampson of Houston, since they're doing pretty good. But here's the thing: why they may not be able to lure over big coach. UCLA pays like garbage. Do you know Eli? What coach makes the most money in the Pac-12 in basketball? Uh, is it Sean Miller? No. Larry Kraskoviak of University of Utah. What? He got a contract deal like a year or two, I think two years ago extension. He makes like he's top ten nationally, like three point three million, I believe it is. Is that any sort of like recency issue there? Part of it a recent contract, but not due to oh. recent success on the court. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, hit. I would not have guessed that. I would have guessed at least Altman from Oregon before him and maybe Hurley as well. That's surprising yeah. to me. Now, um, here's here's what Usain Sage put out. Five coaches who could replace Steve Alford. Musselman, Marshall, Hoiberg, and Billy Donovan is what they really want. That'd be awesome. Tony Bennett. But one reason why Musselman could be an I because UCLA pays like my point to money. UCLA, not that $2.6 million isn't good, which is amazing and would more than double his salary, even though cost of living would be an issue, just change. But overall, just dollars to dollars would be 2.6 to 1. Um whatever you get noted over at Virginia, you get to take that money, which is still good money, but it's not what UCLA never pays what it's peers play pay, obviously by Larry University Utah head coach getting that much money. And then they don't take transfers because they, you know what? UCLA actually, not that Nevada doesn't, but it's a pretty smart school to get into. So it's not mm-hmm. like you can come in in year one or year two and bring in recruit transfer guys or Juco guys who are really good because of whatever academic requirements are needed to get to Westwood. Yeah, so that's that's I mean that's another red flag right there, and probably another reason why Musselman likely won't go to UCLA. But we'll let me, see. Let me ask you this: Will he be coaching somewhere else next year? I don't know if a high enough profile program will open up 
in the off season. So um, I, I do think that there is going to be some discussion between Musselman and UCLA. I don't think it's going to happen. Me neither. Um, I think he at least stays for one more year because, they, I mean, they still have a number of good pieces coming back, even with all the seniors leaving. Now that they can have Lindsey Drew back, they'll probably have Jordan Brown back, some other transfers coming in. So they'll they'll have another top 20 roster next year. So it won't be a Final Four type team, I don't imagine, unless something crazy happens. But I, if I had to guess right now, I'd say Musselman is probably back in Reno next season. What if USC opens up? Uh, There's a possibility. I, don't, I mean, I don't. I don't think it does. I, I mean, no. No, I think Enfield sticks around. Um, I no, don't wait. know if Muslim would take that job. Here's what I could see could happen: is you're right. It has to be a pretty good coach because a million bucks is still good. It's still not chump change. I know Musselman hasn't stayed around in many places, partly because of CBA assistant coach, NBA coach. Like he fits some good guys to the NBA. We'll see because Caroline's still chilling in the G League, even though he blew up at the showcase lot. I think two weeks ago. We'll see how what he does, but he get the guys to the NBA. I think what could happen, like you're right, it will take a pretty good job. Like a couple dom- dominoes have to fall. Remember Arizona State assistant there, if Bobby Hurley goes to UCLA? Hmm? Maybe. What do you take? Go back to Arizona State? Yeah, it could happen. Or, that That's what I think more likely. Like it's some I mean, sort of yeah, domino that, effect. That, is, that one does seem more likely. Or if uh, something happens with Arizona and Sean Miller, and Miller has to go. FBI, uh, yeah, with all the FBI <laughs> recruiting scandal and such, I I could see Musselman potentially take over uh, for Arizona, and that is a name that has been kind of floated around with Sean Miller if he were to leave. Yeah, I think it would take either, like you're right, a big coach or like a domino effect of. It depends. I think it all starts with UCLA because no other big job, like big school job, is going to open up. I don't think most likely. Like, there's a maybe USC, maybe Arizona with that stuff. Like anybody else, like that's great. He's always been essentially a West Coast. Not that he's going to stick out West just because when he was at the Kings and then farthest East was what LSU assistant coach mm-hmm. when he's out there. And so it's like there's not many. Would he go to Texas Tech if Chris Beard goes to UCLA? Probably not. I don't see yeah, that. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't see that happening either. So I think it depends who UCLA hires, assuming it's not Musselman. And if it's Hurley, that could probably be a biggest concern for Wolfpack fans. And I think with Nevada, this is already now – the longest position he's held at any of the stops that he's made. Because um, I don't, I think prior to Nevada, he did not stay in the same position for more than two years. So um, whether that means that a position change is going to come soon or whether that means he's there for the long run, um, he has said that he likes it in Reno and wants to stay there, but um, every coach will say that in season. So yeah, I don't really think that says much. He has, It'll be interesting, yeah. I'm looking real quick. I guess three seasons because O two to O four Wikipedia exists. Um, this would be his longest tenured job. Well, how about this? Because we know that last spring, Musselman talked pretty extensively with California before Cal hired Wyking Jones, mm-hmm. and I do believe that Musselman backed out of that. It wasn't Cal backing out it of was. it. So yeah. I don't know if that can lead you in any other direction in terms of what may happen, um, but he did have significant interest in the Cal job, it did seem, until uh, uh, things went further along in the interview process. I remember his wife's out there. He's been out, not the Sacramento, Berkeley, entirely close. He's been in that area for quite a bit, like in that northern, central California area. So, But he also has two stints at Reno. He's the, the Bighorns head coach as well and about five years ago, eight years ago now. So 
We'll see. I don't know. It's a, I, I'd say relax. Don't worry about it. I don't think too many Nevada fans are worried about it. Focus on a potential Final Four runner, which would be awesome. So, yeah, that's it'll take a bit to happen. So let's go to um, – let's look, look a little bit forward here. Who did you put really quick number four in your list? Was it uh, our power kids? Was it San Diego State again? Uh, yes, it was. Is it because they have the most talent, you think? <laughs> I think that they're the, the team that is most capable of finishing fourth in the league. I couldn't put them ahead of Boise State because Boise's had so many issues. Um, UNLV, again, New Mexico has been a disaster. So you have to pick someone, right? Uh, San Diego State is is probably the best team, but their lack of depth and defensive issues still concern me. Cal State Northridge lost, or not lost, but sorry, almost lost to them. Got killed by Brown. And Brown's like, I get like, People were killing me like, oh, you first know lost UVU. They're yeah, they're like 140. Yeah, they're like 140 Ken Palm. But Aztecs or not Aztecs, um, Mexico. Sorry, wrong team here. Lose by 20 to Brown. UVU game. UVU's not terrible. Like I know people know I love Mark Pope. UVU's not great. They're probably gonna finish third in the whack behind a pretty good Grand Canyon and New Mexico State team who are probably about top hundred overall. But at least it, the game was competitive. It was yeah. That's the thing. It's competitive. <laughs> And, yeah, the other losses are probably better when you compare them. Like, because their losses to – I'm trying to – my schedule, my thing's being weird. New Mexico State, 68, Ken Palm. St. Mary's, they're all top 100 losses, but they lost North Texas by 9. And then Penn by 10, it's like – and Penn's about the same level as UVU. Both were at home. So, the difference is Fresno's not losing those games when their competition isn't as good. Mm-hmm. That's the big difference for – now, Lobos might, for me, finish fourth overall. Maybe. They have the, I think they have the chance to do so, but right now it's like there's no way you can put them on par with Fresno or Utah State. Because, like I said, Utah State, or not Utah State, Fresno State, excuse me, blows, blew out a pretty good Weber State team. They crushed long. They're, they're, they beat Cal by tw- 22 points. They're beating, they beat Tennessee Martin, whatever, by 40. They're beating these bad teams who they should be beating. Pacific was overtime, which wasn't great at home by three, but they beat Northwestern, who's their best win. Is Northwestern still the best win by any team in the conference, Eli? Um, unless Ken, you Ken, want to go with like one of Nevada's wins, like maybe Nevada's win over Arizona State. Ken Palm's forty-seven, and so I'm just curious. I don't have it in front of me. Where's Nevada? I took him off my screen here, but yeah, Arizona State's fiftieth. But you could kind of, I don't know, go whichever way with those two. I would, I would like Arizona State over Northwestern if they were to play. But maybe, yeah, they beat Kansas, so there you go. Yeah. Um. So going forward, we have some games this week, and I guess our our schedules. Guess we're gonna try to go once a week. Is that the plan? Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Good. Well, we'll figure it out, right? That's what we do. Yeah. So we got a bunch of games today. We got previews up. We'll have uh, picks every every game day. We'll have recaps on the scoreboard type stuff. So let me pick a game here. We'll play our fun game here of BPI. Yeah, let's do it. Let's um. Here's an interesting game: Colorado, Colorado State UNLV, which is uh, if you're listening, it's Wednesday night, uh, 7:30 Pacific, um, CBS Sports Network, down at the uh, what's it called now? Still Thomas and Mac. Who do you think's favorite in that game? First of all. I think UNLV is favored. Oh, where's BPI? And, Shoot, I don't have it here. Oh, crap. And if I were to guess a percentage, I would say – Do you have it, wait, do you have it pulled up? No, because I click on the pick center thing. It doesn't do – give me a second here. What do you – okay. Yeah, okay. UNLV is favored by 9.5. I'll tell you. I'll give you that because that's correct. Okay. Come on. Where, BPI used and to be so closely – I were to people. guess, I would probably say like 70 uh, – 77%. I can't remember if BPI seems to like UNLV or not. I think that they, they do. Oh boy, eighty-five percent BPI. Eighty-five percent. Okay, so they're confident. Yeah, bring back Tarkanian. They're ready to go. <laughs> the Tarks, yo. Oh <laughs> man, I. 
No, really? That seems that seems extremely high, doesn't it? Uh, Kempom gives you an eighty-one percent edge, so it's it's rather consistent. Let's do this really quick because we're gonna wrap up here. We don't want to go through every game. I just wanted to pick one game. Maybe I'll pick a Saturday game, um, real quick here. But okay, so New Mexico Air Force. I'm gonna go Lobos. Yeah, I like the Lobos as well. Boise at Wyoming. I'll go Boise. Me too. I think I, I should look at my picks. I already made them. Fresno, San Jose State. I say Fresno, but it's a 14 point line. I think Fresno won't cover though. It's on the road slightly down the street. A I think I miles. picked I picked Fresno State straight up for sure, and I do think I picked San Jose State to cover. Same here. We already talked Rams, Rams, um, Rebs. I go Rebs. Cover? Maybe not. It's close. Uh, what'd you say? It was an eight point line? Nine, nine point and, line? Nine and a half. Uh, I think UNLV covers late. They should, but I don't know if they will. Then you get Utah State yeah. Nevada by nine? Whew. I think that I, Nevada's going to win. I think Utah State has a decent chance of covering. I, I think I picked Nevada both to win and cover. The okay. only concern, again, if, they have, if they're struggling or behind into that under-16 timeout second half, then it could be interesting for at least to cover-wise. I think it'll be somewhere between like an 8 and 12 point win for Nevada. All right, so you're close. All right, let's go to Saturday really quick. We're going to blast through these and wrap this bad boy up here because we're eh, not bad, 40 minutes. Uh, Nevada, okay, hold on. Let's get another BPI game here. Hold on. <laughs> so we got Nevada, New Mexico, Air Force, Utah State, San Diego State, Boise State, CSU, Fresno, Wyoming, UNLV. Eli, pick the one you think you're most confident, confident in and projecting the BPI. <laughs> in terms of, oh, pick a BPI game? Yeah, which one do you want to go with? Because it's always exciting. Um, I think the most challenging matchup to pick is probably the San Diego State Boise State game, so that will not be the one that I ah, choose. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Wyoming at UNLV. I say UNLV is like okay. If they're eighty-five against CSU, then they're probably about ninety-two against Wyoming. Okay, let me pull it up here. Ninety. You say ninety-two percent. Yes. Um, I don't. Have, what's the Ken Palm line there? Because I don't have that in front of me. It's not uh, showing it, here. UNLV is a nine-point favorite on Ken Palm, and I didn't look at the percentage before because I didn't want to cheat. Okay. Oh, it only says eighty percent for yeah. Ken Palm. So what was your number again? You said ninety. Ninety-two. You're close. Ninety point eight. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> Getting better. Okay. Then, also, but I like if the Sanders, If we were to choose the Sanders State Boise State game, let's uh, do that now. Do you have that one there? I will in a second. What do you think? <sighs> that feels like. <laughs> It's um first of all, it is a game that is being played at Boise. I would say Boise State fifty one percent. Not bad. You're getting better. Fifty six. Okay. Oh wow. Okay. So basically, home court by a little bit. Mm-hmm. So those are fun games. So I'm just curious about those because <laughs> GPI is always exciting because you never know what's going to come. You never, up. you never ever know. You're getting better at that. All right. So we got, let's go. I guess we have to run through these games super quick just to see who we're going to pick and. Not that you should um, wager anything substantial on this, what we're doing here. <laughs> Just say, hey, here's who you guys think. They're probably wrong, but we never know. Uh, I say Nevada over to Mexico easily. It's yeah. At, it's at the pit, so. Eh. Actually, no, I think uh, New Mexico covers. What's the line? I, what's Ken Palm line? Ken Palm is 16. Okay, 16. Yeah, okay, I see that. Um, Utah State will beat Air Force. Yep. Uh, I say Boise is going to beat San Diego State just because it's at home. I like San Diego State in that one, It'll be close because these games. Also, we need a uh, overtime game and maybe a, cl- a couple clock counts in this one. Clock, oh, clock man, he went there. With <laughs> <it>. <laughs> of course, why not? It's also up back at Boise, and if you're wondering, it's only four bucks to get in. So go get, stay warm inside Taco Bell Arena. That sounds fun. Um, I think Fresno beat CSU. Yeah, I think that could be a blowout as well. And UNLV will be close for Wyoming. 
But still. So wait, do you wait? Do you think UNLV is going to you, you you have UNLV winning that one? It'll be close. I think they'll because I, I again maybe I'm too high in Justin James, but I think uh, yeah I think they'll do it. But it'll be reasonably close, like within seven points. It will be they'll win. It'll probably be like a free throw at the end to the comp free for free throw shooting to win. But I think it'll be reasonably close to like oh it's within ten points throughout. But it'll be like one of those games where you UNLV will be up by a couple here and there, but it'll never it'll be close but not seem close if you know what I mean. Okay, I, yeah, I, I think uh, I have a suspicious feeling that this one ends on a game winner. I think UNLV wins, but I think it could be pretty tight. They're going to have two game winners in the same year? Yeah, I think so. Was it before that game they uh, – actually, I made, I made the Dave Rice joke. They were like 2-17 and 17 <laughs> game winning three-pointers or game ending possession plays or something. Oh, gosh, yeah. They had a number of games last year that ended poorly down the stretch. And extended to this year because they had a couple like that. So mm-hmm. I, I think we covered everything today. Muscleman scheduling, uh, midseason, looking at your predictions, which are a couple still TBD, like Final Four, San Jose State victories in the conference play. Uh, anything else we need to add, or think are we good to go? No, I think we're I think we're good to go. I'm excited to get things going. All right, we got league play coming up, so that means we'll have uh, more previews. I know some games slip through the cracks because when you're playing New Year's Day, Cal State Northridge, eh, maybe we should have written about it, but we didn't just because it's New Year's Day and other things and. Mm-hmm. stick around for basketball we will have we're starting I need to announce it now because we'll get to basketball in April or May and Mountain West at 20 we already know who our best player is so it's not a competition but <laughs> <laughs> we're starting football I believe January 14th the se- okay. third Monday in January or second Monday in January we're going to do this for basketball but not till the end of the season because hey heck some of these players right now could be on the all- all-time team Very yeah very well could be so the plan is what we're doing for right now this will translate for basketball um, we're doing an all-time team in the Mountain West. So say Utah State's time only in the Mountain West or Fresno State's time or New Mexico's time. Okay. So the best team within the Mountain West will go probably two deep. Basketball easily two deep, maybe more. We'll do an all-time all-time Mountain West team, which includes even Utah, BYU, TCU, all within the conference. So you know who's going to be on that list? A couple of those good guys. So like Jimmer, mm-hmm. who's not too bad. Maybe, yeah. maybe Brandon Davies will be involved some way or another. Um, and some probably the all-time BYU list. But we'll go through all that. We'll go through – here's what's tough, Eli. We're going to try to do top 100 games for football. we got to <laughs> – Oh, man, okay. Here's, what we're do. Here's, here's, how we're, here's how we're figuring this out to make it easier for basketball and football. Each team, if we – is it easy enough to pick 10 games per school, right? I think so. So what we're going to yeah. do is probably it's going to take 10, 10 games per school, take that pool of games and narrow it down and get rid of like say 20 to 40. Yeah, that sounds good. You I think that's that. an easier way than going through 100 games and going, this game, one of the best games ever, I'll say it right now, is that comeback Nevada versus New Mexico. That's got to be up yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, that has to be top five. Up there, the uh, rematch, uh, one of the most hyped games, which I don't remember how it lived up to the hype, but the uh, top 10 San Diego State BYU matchup, Kawhi versus Jimmer. Yeah, I think, uh, that, I think that game was kind of a mess, but there was a ton of hype, so that's fun too. I remember that or, one. Are we only counting – Games uh, between two Mountain West teams, or can we also include like tournament games and bowls and stuff? Now you get oh man, crap! Because I mean, we have to have no. I was thinking Cincinnati, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. or Texas too. Yeah, Mm -hmm. no, and maybe LIU or well, Chicago. No, yeah, no, it doesn't have to be between two Mountain West teams. Has to feature a a current Mountain West team at the time of game being played. Gotcha, gotcha. So yeah, so that game would count. So even BYU playing Florida in that lead eight game, maybe it's in there because that was overtime game, pretty good. So stuff like that. As long as I had a Mountain West team at time of play, it counts. So look for that. That's not until like May. We're working on football now. We're going to do some other storylines like uh, 
screwing up on Gonzaga, Wichita State, uh, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. That that type of stuff. Um, other Why things. Nick Duncan's the best athlete the conference has ever seen. Oh, we gotta do a Nick Duncan feature, don't we? Things like that. <laughs> Maybe we should. We, we should, have to. We we'll get him on the podcast. I think we'll work on that. Oh gosh, that would be awesome. So we'll we'll get him. To, we'll get that worked out. I didn't even think about that because I'm so focused on the football storylines at the moment. <laughs> we got like four months to do that. So we'll get going. <laughs> so that's what we're doing. So be on the lookout for that for football and basketball later in the year. If you have any suggestions, just tweet us to MWC Wire over there. And uh, thanks for listening, downloading. Go to MWR.com, Read all of our stuff. Um, subscribe if you want to rate us, saying we're great. That'd be awesome. If you appreciate it, tell a friend or two. And we'll be back, I'm assuming, um, we are recording this on an odd day of the week. Should we be back uh, midweek or how should we, well, we'll talk afterwards. We'll be back shortly for our next basketball podcast. We'll not be two and a half weeks in between, folks. So (laughs) see you next time.